Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Firstly, today an apology. A few weeks ago, I hoped that we would be able to celebrate communion together on the same Sunday as we welcomed our new session clerk, Fiona Anderson, at St Ninian's. Fiona has been unwell and so we postponed our communion service. At the time, I said that we would celebrate communion in a couple of weeks, which of course means two weeks, and I know that some of you were expecting communion on that second week. I'm really sorry that I wasn't clear with my language and for any confusion that was caused. We will now return to our normal pattern of communion, and that means that we will join together both at church and online on Sunday the 7th of November to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Everyone is welcome. Keep watching or listening to the end for more important information about what's happening at St Ninian's over the next few weeks, or visit the website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. Today we're tackling a really hard and often painful passage in Mark's Gospel. It's about divorce, something that has touched all of our lives in some way. It's a passage that has been used to do untold damage over the years. So today we're going to see what's really going on and why it's really a wake-up call for all of us, especially as men. Douglas and Anne Thompson join me in leading our worship today. Anne will lead our prayers later in the service. So let's listen now as Douglas reads for us. Reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and sent her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus to ask for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms placed his hands in them, and blessed them. Let's begin by acknowledging just how difficult this passage from Mark's Gospel is for pretty much all of us. Divorce is something that has affected all of us in some way. Trends suggest that almost half of marriages will end in divorce. And we know that the number of people getting married in the first place has fallen steadily. It would be really easy just to miss this reading out or to jump straight on to what seems like the warm and fuzzy bit about blessing and welcoming children at the end, especially when it seems that Jesus is saying some pretty tough things about divorce. But, as always, 
we need to dig a little deeper and do some proper grown-up thinking about what's happening here because it's too important not to. Let's start with the question Jesus is asked. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The answer is yes. It has pretty much always been lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Since the time of Moses, a man could issue a certificate of divorce to his wife. So why is it even a question? Like in every other time, just like it's been in ours, divorce and the rules and ethics around it have been hotly contested. It's not so long ago that divorce here was seen as shameful. People staying in marriages because there wasn't a realistic way to get out of them. It's only recently that our laws have moved to a starting point of an even split in assets and even custody of children. The truth is that we all know divorce is a painful process, even when couples agree that separation is the best thing for both of them. At weddings, I always remind everyone that marriage is a community event. You can't get married in private. You need two witnesses who are representatives of the wider community. That's because marriage isn't just a thing that unites two people. It has much wider implications than that. With a marriage, you also get in-laws. But we also get new family members and friends. And when a marriage ends in divorce, all those people are also affected. And that's hard. So we should be honest about all of that and recognise that divorce can be both good when it allows someone to leave a bad relationship, but it also is often painful for the community as well as for those who are separating, even in our times when that separation is based on the equal status of both partners. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And that gives us an insight into a time when equal status just didn't exist. A woman could not, under any circumstances, divorce her husband. But her husband could divorce her with no reason whatsoever. People often ask why there are stories in the Bible about women caught in adultery who end up being stoned to death, but none about men. That's simple. The rules only applied to women. Men could do what they wanted. Women were possessions. They had no status or power. Divorce was just about the worst thing that could happen to them because being a part of a household, a family... It was the only protection they had. If they were divorced, then their own family would disown them and women were left to fend for themselves. If you were a widow, then your husband's brother was duty-bound to take care of you. And if that didn't happen, then there was a system in place where the church would look after you. That just wasn't the case for divorced women. They were left with nothing, often having to resort to begging or prostitution to survive. It's into this horrific inequality that Jesus makes these statements about divorce. He starts by reminding people why marriage is important. And he quotes the story from chapter 2 of Genesis, where after everything being good at the beginning, there's a problem. The human that God has created is lonely. So God starts wondering about how that problem can be solved. A partner, someone to join with, is the answer. The problem was a lack of relationship. I think over the period of the pandemic, we've all had a bit of an insight into how hard that can be. In Genesis, the person God creates is called the helper. And that's one of those unhelpful translations because for us, someone who helps is additional, extra, just lending a hand with something that isn't their responsibility. But that's not what it means. It means partner, equally responsible in relationship with. And it becomes a name that God is known by because we're all in relationship with God. We're built to be in relationship with other people. And when that's forgotten, then things go badly wrong. Men had all the power. Women were not treated as 
They should have been. People had forgotten just how important women were. The Genesis story tells us, I think, that creation wasn't complete until the need for a relationship was fixed. Interestingly, it's only at that point where female and male are identified as different and that gendered language is used. Before that, it's a human that God has created, not a man or a woman, a human. The fact that this is translated as a man tells us all we need to know about who was in charge. Jesus is railing against the failures of men. Instead of caring for their partners, they've treated them badly. Instead of seeing marriage as a holy relationship, they've seen it simply as a business transaction where they gain a possession, not a partner. All Jesus is doing here is equalising the law. How can you have one law for men and another for women? How is that just? How is it fair? How does it recognise that women are also created in God's image, precious and loved just as much as men? This, I think, is a passage about our responsibilities to each other, a reminder to constantly ask questions about how we treat each other, how we try to make sure that there are no people who are treated as less than anyone else, that people are cared for properly when things go wrong and entitled to the same protection as everyone else. Jesus says, if a woman divorces her husband, and that's the point, she can't. Jesus is pointing that out. He's calling that out. We've read this passage to mean that nobody can ever get divorced, and the church and the state have enforced that ruthlessly over the years with devastating consequences. That reading completely misses the point Jesus is making. The rules should be the same for everyone, men and women. Jesus doesn't really comment on the rules themselves much. He's saying we should decide what the rules are and enforce them equally. But know that we only need rules about what to do when a relationship breaks down because we don't really understand what relationship is and what it's for in the first place. And then people bring children to Jesus, the ones who are so often affected by divorce but have the least say in what happens. And he takes these children and blesses them, just as we do in baptism. We, this community, promise to care for them and their family. And that's a radical idea that goes against the selfish individualism of our world. Children in Jesus' time were not viewed in the same way we think of children. They had no status or power. They were, just like they were here until about 100 years ago, thought of as small workers who could go and help in the fields, get into small spaces to clean and to bring in money for the family. Again, Jesus reminds us that even the smallest, the least powerful, the most vulnerable, the people in society with the least, are loved and blessed by God. This passage all sits together. It's about the dignity of everyone and about the need for all of us to be responsible for each other because we're all in relationship with each other as part of a community. And as those relationships become more intimate, as we become families the requirement to treat each other well increases. And in those most intimate relationships of partnership and parenthood, that responsibility to look after each other, to view each other as precious, is at its highest. Because that's how God sees us, all of us, every one of us loved and precious. Stumble, daily I fall. 
Daily your mercy is new at the dawn How fickle my heart is How feeble and poor But your heart is steadfast Your love is secure You have grace enough for my wayward heart Running out to me with your open arms You have grace enough for my wayward heart Running out to me with your open arms Daily I stumble Let us pray. God of love, God of wisdom, open our eyes and free our senses to see your presence, your gift of undying love in our lives, in our good times and bad, and help us to use this gift to do your will in this world of need. Today, as illness continues to spread through our country and our world, we pray for all those who have and continue to suffer. Help us and all those charged with the care of others to act and to find ways to ease pain, lessen burdens and to do all that can be done to act in love. 
Today, as politics and economics continue to sow division rather than peace, in these trying times, we pray for leaders and citizens, each of us with a part to play. We pray for wisdom and compassion, for the ability to participate in the work of making the lives of all your beloved children better. Help us and all leaders to act in your name for the good of all. Today, as your church continues to seek to do your will, we pray for boldness to face our challenges and to find our place where we can do good and our love can move from talk to the action of your work in the world. Today, as we come seeking to hear your voice, to live your call, to ask your questions, to explore our doubts, we pray for ourselves that we might find each in our own way the path to service of you and each other, today and every day. Hear this and all our prayers said and unsaid, as we continue in the words that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go now, knowing that you are loved and held and called anew into life. Go now, with the blessing of God Almighty, parent, sibling and spirit of love today and always. Church session will meet in person on Monday the 25th of October at 7.30pm in the church hall. Face masks are required. You can donate to the local food bank every Sunday from 1 to 2.30pm at the front door of the church. The Guild will be hosting Brian Taylor's Close Show on Monday the 11th of October at 7.30pm in the church hall. Tickets are £2.50 and are available from Guild Committee members. Numbers will be limited and face masks are required. As we move forward, we've been in conversation with most of the groups who meet in the church hall about their plans to return. As I hope you'll understand, we've been keen to return slowly and safely. Stoney's Kids Breakfast and After School Care have been operating almost all the way through. Tabs have started back and the Folk Club have dates for their first meetings. Hope Cafe's peer support group has been meeting every second Thursday evening for a while now. The Girls' Brigade and Boys' Brigade are working on their plans to allow them to restart safely, as are Hope Cafe and the Coffee Morning Ladies will be discussing their plans too.
We'll let you know as soon as we can about all of these things. But please, bear with us. You can keep up to date on our website at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk or on our Facebook page at St Ninians Church Stonehouse.